Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Data Dialogues from the Data Vault Innovators community. I'm Julian Redmond, uh, CEO of Ignition and Iris, uh, and I have with me today two very esteemed colleagues. I'll get you guys to introduce yourselves. So, uh, Steve, do you want to introduce yourself? Thank you, Julian. Yes, uh, my name's Steve Rose. I'm the practice manager at Ignition. And Richard. Richard Harris, I'm the account director for Ignition. Excellent. So the uh, topic for today is uh, dealing with the hippo in the room. Uh, I guess a, a, a discussion about data maturity. Um, so while you might be watching this on the DVIC, we'd just like to mention too that we now have a YouTube channel. So if you search for Data Vault Innovators Community on uh, YouTube, you'll be able to find a lot of this content there as well. Uh, so a bit of an effort to make sure that it's accessible to all those who are looking for content around Data Vault. Um, but let's jump into it, guys. Um, Richard, I assume we're not talking about uh, big animals in Africa. What the hell is a hippo? Uh, hippo is an acronym, highest paid person's opinion. Uh, and it's used generally because, yeah, quite often we find that, well, there's, it's a double-edged sword. Um, usually a, 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 an exercise in improving data maturity or getting a handle on use of data in an organisation does require some form of executive sponsorship. Uh, but the uh, other side of that blade is that quite often the people who are having to make the decisions are not necessarily very mature in their own understanding of what data can and cannot do. Um, and that's really what we're trying to deal with with our data maturity assessment is to understand what is the, where is the business at right now, where from a, a business objective standpoint, and this is obviously is where the hippo's opinion really does matter, do they want to be, but then how can we get there in the context of that organisation's capabilities, both in terms of technology, budget and skill set? Okay, so so highest paid person, I guess that probably means some executive uh, who may be far more of a generalist or you know a business specialist than a than a data specialist. Uh, Steve, you lead a lot of these types of engagements for us. Do we see that being a, a big problem for us? And how do we deal with you know with making sure we're basing decisions on real evidence and and good practice rather than just you know. Um, uh, uh, allowing that that opinion to drive uh, drive the decisions that's a good question uh, <clears throat> and uh, i'll try to answer that as concisely as i can but um, data maturity is exceptionally broad um, and it, it, it isn't just a technology driven um, initiative it is a business driven initiative and it does involve people processes and and technology um, highest paid opinion um, I guess, how do you counter it um, and how do you manage it? I guess it's by sort of looking at what, what is the organisation actually trying to achieve by having good data maturity. We think about being, you know, uh, um, having evidence-based decision-making operationally, strategically, meeting strategic goals, um, you know, achieving uh, a certain agility in an organisation, being able to pivot from, you know, um, one um, sort of a strategic element to another, and and all of these things require data um, and and effective processes for leveraging and, and operating on data. So I guess how how we've done it uh, in um, generally is that you, you try to talk to those outcomes first. 
Um, so a hippo might have, oh, we need to do it this way, we need to do it that way because of this system, because of that system. It's always good to bring it up a level to the strategy. What is it that we're trying to achieve? And then let's try to break that down. What are the outcomes that we're looking for? How are we going to achieve those outcomes? And quite often when you show the bigger picture and how you're sort of zoning in in specific areas, um, the most obvious solution or the best solution does appear to be, you know, the most obvious one, uh, which might actually differ. And that's how you can generally turn turn opinions around and turn a hippo from being uh, an adversary to being an advocate. Well, I think, yeah, obviously, we usually have, when we go into these, quite a lot of executive sponsorship because mm. there is a real desire to improve, you know, the use of information. There's, you know, lots of those, uh, you know, data is the new oil type um, memes and what have you out there and I think it's really it's really made it into the consciousness of a lot of executives that, that, that you know handling information the right way uh, making sure that's in the hands of the right users and those sorts of things is, is a powerful thing for their business so let's talk a little bit about I guess the process we go through when we are doing a, a you know a maturity assessment or helping someone develop a data strategy and Richard for you that'd start with the very initial discussions I suspect uh, with you know with some of the executive what what are the common topics we see that are driving people to want to assess uh, assess their data maturity um, it's actually quite been an interesting journey over the last decade or so in uh, in the data you know, industry uh, there was a time when um, the approach would be, um, I think using data would give us a competitive advantage that we can, you know, t uh, leapfrog our competition, offer a better experience to our customers um, and maybe lower some costs. Uh, these days, the conversation has almost gone 180 degrees. And it's now that if we don't do something and do it fast, we're going to lose to our competitors. Um, the maturity of the of the market in terms of the consumers and their expectations of, of what's possible and what should and should not be expected at customer service levels, it's kind of outstripped a lot of organizations' capabilities. And so we now see a lot of these traditional organizations who are um, scrabbling to sort of keep up and realize, okay, we've built something, you know, maybe five, ten years ago, we've got ourselves a data warehouse, but um, the reporting is very siloed or, or centralised in, in, in a key area. And I don't have a body of, of staff who are really enabled to use that data. Um, and so that's where a lot of the conversations start is how do I, I know, I know where I want to be. Um, and, and look, I should also say that one of the, 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 the things that often happens is the technology vendors focus on that executive level and they'll promise everything under the sun. Now, our algorithm will tell you exactly where your customer churn is going to come from. But they don't talk about the need to have accurate and trusted data that that algorithm can monitor in order to derive that insight. And so quite often we have people coming saying, oh, I want to get into machine learning. I wanted to get into AI. Um, but they're still using Excel spreadsheets across the organization to produce their board reporting. And so there's a big gap between those two things. And really, that's where people start with. I know where I want to be. I know what I'm told is possible. I have no idea how to get there. And usually, while there might be people inside the organization that have a point of view, quite often those point of views can be conflicting. So having an independent third party come in at that higher level and say, okay, given the 
literally thousands of man hours we've put into building data management solutions in the past, we're pretty well placed to help you tease out, and I mentioned this at the start, what can you do within the context of your organisation? What is that path of least resistance that's going to get you those quick wins that can set you on the path where you want to be? Um, yeah. So, so um, well, Steve, I guess... Uh, if you look at it from that perspective, there's, you know, at a high level, there is a strategy for growth or cost reduction, other key strategies for an organisation and, and, you know, and the realisation that, that analytics and, and data management is going to help, help uh, organisations achieve that. You come down a level, there's lots of dimensions to it as well, like I'm thinking security and data quality and those sort of things. What, what are the like kind of critical dimensions that get looked at when we go into a, a, you know, a maturity assessment? Oh, look, it's a, it's, it's a good question. Um, uh, sort of keeping it high level without going too detailed. I mean, we, we do look at some of the uh, certainly data governance, data quality, making sure that we've got appropriate business glossary definitions and so forth. Um, we look at the infrastructure. Um, and that includes the, the, the data ops component as well, how data is moving around the organisation, what are the principles by which it's stored, how is its life cycle managed, so on and so forth. We look at, um, you know, the data management practices around retention and access, third-party access and P how PII is looked upon and, um, and, and those sorts of things. And, and then we look at um, you know, ultimately, the, the, the maturity of the, the capability that the business is seeking to achieve is to become more of a data-driven business. Where are they at from a capability perspective? Where do they need to be? Um, Richard already mentioned that, you know, um, Excel spreadsheets tend to be quite prevalent in a lot of organisations. Um, but Excel spreadsheets on their own are not necessarily a bad thing, but it's generally the processes that wrap around those. Someone will open up that spreadsheet, they will perform a number of operations. Largely, those operations are undocumented. Nobody knows that they're done. It's an opportunity for quality, it's problems, it's an opportunity for access problems. Um, and, you know, that, that can be quite... Uh, Quite, quite a long thread to unravel in an organisation, but it, it's um, it's 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 necessary to be able to, to you know also evaluate all the risks that an organisation carries in terms of how it manages and, and handles data. So we we try to look at all of those sorts of aspects, and we will uh, come up with a maturity rating um, and uh, for for where you are, and also propose where we think you should be for your sort of organisation, your size, and and and, and that sort of stuff. Um, and so that gives you a, where you are and a target. And then the only thing that's left from that is to, well, what's that gap? And if we were to take that gap and break it down into what are the initiatives that we need to be able to do, prioritise and so on and so forth you know, on a reasonable roadmap that the business has an appetite for, um, and then that becomes the programme of work to, to get you from where you are to, to, to where you need to be. I can just add to that as well. Um, one of the things that we're seeing in a couple of current projects that is coming further and further up the priority is how we communicate that, that strategy to the business, downstream users, you know, the managers, the, the people who actually have to use the data, because quite often it's that they're not aware of what's possible with the information. So in addition to getting the right architecture and data management practices in place to allow an organisation to use that data, 
we then have to say to the organization, well, this is what this team can do for you. We can help you with process automation. We can give you better insight upon which to make your decisions. And more and more, we can enable the people downstream to access the information and, you know, play with it themselves in order to enhance, you know, their own decision making. And really, that's the heart of a, a mature organization. It's putting the information into the hands of those that can really use it as part of their their day to day function and improve uh, what they do. And that's a very big part of, of, of that first stage of understanding, you know, where do you want to be? Because a lot of the, as I say, a lot of the individuals out there want to do more. They want to, to be able to, to be better at their jobs um, and uh, helping them understand what can be done is, is a critical component now of the outputs from, um, you know, from the work that we do. So that's, yeah, I mean, that's very interesting. So, Thinking this through, I guess, um, you know, you've both mentioned managing risk. And so there is, you know, I mean, and, and Steve, you mentioned, you know, the technology vendors, obviously, you know, you know or te technology and architecture. And, and Richard mentioned some of the messaging that they might be getting from vendors. So it's a good thing to do before you just decide to leap onto a particular uh, vendor's technology. Um, that is promising the world, I guess, um, yeah, and helping you understand if it's fit for purpose, whether it's going to introduce uh, additional risk or technical debt. Um, you know, we talked about people uh, and the training and enablement to have develop the skills. What about the long term, like having a, a good uh, data maturity and keeping developing skills and knowledge within your organisation and then keeping it ongoing? Is that an aspect as well? Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, there's a couple of threads there you touched on. One's around architecture. Um, when when organisations are making choices on technology to solve particular pro problems, and, and you're right, um, it, it is becoming increasingly difficult for a lot of organisations to make the right decision, mainly because there's a lot of choice and because um, software vendors tend to promise the world. It does all these yeah. things um, and so and uh, I think, in my opinion, and based on my experience, I think one of the things that, that is lacking um, uh, across many organisations is that linkage between um, enterprise architecture and, and a particular solution. We tend not to ask the right questions when it comes to data. Uh, how, mm. how, how would we access the data? How would we inter integrate that system into our, our data architecture? Um, how do we get data out of it? How do we push data into it? How do we manage access centrally? You know, there's a lot of those sorts of questions that are not really answered. And you tend to find, particularly in large organisations, you'll have a lot of intermediate steps where someone will manually pull some data out of one system, munge it in some way, and then push it into another system. Now, in doing that, you're actually creating a third system. Um, you know, it's a third system that's engineered, it's in-house, it's bespoke, it's undocumented, and it represents a whole bunch of risk. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, organisations would be well-placed to understand what is their architecture, and their architecture needs to support a good data architecture. Um, so we talk about integrations from one system to another. Is it secure? Who has access to it? How is the data stored when, it, you know, when it's at rest? Is it protected? All those sorts of things. So enterprise architecture plays a big role in, in enabling all of those data maturity outcomes. And when organisations go and get a system, um, quite often that system might be a bit of a square peg round hole type scenario. 
from a data architecture. The other thing that you touched on there was was more around um, uh, you know creating a, a more of a, a data aware a data aware sort of culture within an organisation. Um, yeah, I think there's no secret that people are probably the biggest risk when it comes to the, um, an organization's data and with the capabilities that we have with our systems today it's all too easy to do the wrong thing so you know having to uh, you know it, it is a bit of an effort and there are you know um, data security awareness programs and various other things that in compliance programs that organizations have implemented but i guess in, in that instance it kind of starts from the top you need a good data governance um uh committee um you need good executive buy-in a board buy-in it needs to be something that has a very high profile um organization should have data stewards identified that actually wear hats of accountability for specific areas in the data architecture and and how how the organization should look and treat their data um you know that that's important for it to be in place and and through that you can start to have an organization that has a culture of valuing its data its data assets and and being more aware of uh, the risks of of data and be able to manage them appropriately yeah i mean it makes sense that you know a, a mature architecture a mature set of processes and and well-trained staff are going to help you uh, address a lot of these issues rich there's an aspect of this that i know is very close to to uh, uh close to home for you um is the security and privacy aspects you know the the you know compliance and regulatory environment that that is developing and the you know things like brand risk and those sorts of things so how does how does this help uh, organisations address that and help executives to maybe avoid, you know, exposure, uh, you know, to some of those those uh, regulations? Sure. Um, so we adopt um, a, uh, an approach that kind of tries to balance the protect and promote of data. Uh, where possible, we want to protect the use of data where it's not necessary to access it. Uh, and for this audience, of course, Data Vault is uh, is exceptional at being able to organize the data into silos that you can very tightly control over who has access to it and for what purpose. Um, but that also then comes into the data governance, making sure that all your information is contained within a catalog, that you understand, you know, where it comes from, how it can be used, how it's been transformed and, and so on and so forth. So having a very strong uh, culture of an understanding of how important data is and how well it's and how it should be used is, is kind of critical to that because, um, you know, the vast majority of, of data problems, data breaches and the like, really stem from human error. Um, people, you know, not changing their passwords or accidentally revealing something or uh, fishing uh, uh, expeditions or, or just out and outright poor architecture. Time and time again, we've seen breaches where very valuable information has been made, you know, public through APIs or just embedded as part of a website because some uh, architect decided it was quicker to do it that way and they had a deadline to meet. So I think that's important, but you also touched on the skills aspect because it is one of those areas that I think is is something that a lot of organisations kind of gloss over, and that is if we're going to have a data mature organisation, we need to allow our staff to invest in their own professional development. I think a lot of companies feel that when they hire people, they should just come with all of this embedded knowledge. But the reality is that universities will never be able to keep up with the rapid pace of change in our industry. 
So people coming into the workforce are having graduated are likely going to be behind a little bit in terms of, you know, what is on the, the, the best practice. And people who've been with your organisation five, ten years, they know your culture, they know your systems, they know your products, they can't be expected to know everything overnight. So I think uh, investing in that skills development it really is incumbent upon the organisations and should be part of a data maturity process, making sure that you know staff are give, given the time um, and money where it's necessary to go and develop their understanding of how data can be used, get the right skills in place so they can exploit that, uh, is a far better return on uh, your investment than trying to go out and hire people because, as we know, there is a, a very significant skill shortage in our market the, the demand for you know people who have a good working knowledge of data and can use it has far outstripped the supply. COVID has made that even worse. So the only way organisations, I think, can, can uh, really make sure that they are successful in their data maturity is not only to invest in the technology and the architecture and processes and so forth, but to enable their, their own staff to develop the skills and confidence to use that data effectively and therefore to make sure that they're valuing it as the asset that uh, data should be. Yeah, well, look, I'm convinced if if you're watching this and you're not yet convinced that you should at least assess your, your data maturity, then, you know, time to log off. But um, if you're still here, <laughs> uh, Steve, let's have a quick chat about, you know, how a, how a maturity assessment works from like a kickoff workshop to, to you know, delivering a final report and, you know, and then engaging the execs. What, what's the actual kind of high-level process we, we go through when we do that? Uh, yeah, no, great. Thank you. Good question. Um, so we have five phases that we uh, of a project that we have. So we have a discovery phase. Um, so that's where uh, we will have multiple interviews with various stakeholders at various different levels across the organisation. We'll be looking at, um, you know, document artefacts, um, you know, deep diving into some te technical aspects, but also, you know, working with uh, senior leaders to understand um, where certain data maturity aspects are at, such as data governance and things like that. Yep. We will then do some analysis where we'll have, uh, this is the next phase, where we'll, where we'll bring all that information together and start strategizing as to, okay, where, where do we think you are on a, on a capability perspective? And we do have uh, our own proprietary framework that we've, we've developed around that. Um, and then from that, uh, we go into the next phase where we start drafting the reports out. When, when we draft the recommendation, it might be necessary to still, you know, engage and, and talk to various stakeholders if there's any uh, gaps that are remaining. Once we've done that, we then socialise that. Um, the report typically comes uh, with two, two uh, deliverables. So one is a more detailed report that also contains a roadmap and gap analysis and so on. And then another one, which is uh, more of a, um, an executive uh, slide deck. Um, so that way, you know, we can sort of communicate up as well as communicate down. Um, and we will we will meet with the, the relevant teams and we'll, we'll be able to share that, get some input. If we need to fold that input, make any adjustments, we'll do that. And then we basically finalise. Um, and uh, that, the, the, we just have one final uh, closeout um, session where we'll present the, the, the final reports and then that's it, case closed. Excellent. Sounds simple. Let's let's do one. Um, so obviously we've done a few of these. Richard, what's what's the steps? What's the time frame uh, if people are interested in reaching out and getting a bit of uh, a bit of info about how long it takes, etc. 
Well, give us a call. Would probably be the first port of call. We have a brochure available on our website, but there's nothing better than talking uh, to, to, to Steve and I directly. We're happy to jump on a, on a call, try and understand uh, really what the client's timeframes and objectives are. Uh, in terms of the lead time, you know, generally four to six weeks, we can, uh, we've got that kind of line of sight to start those discovery phases. And, and really from there, it's, uh, it's down to working with the client. Quite often there are time constraints involved. So we've got to present a board uh, paper by this date or we're uh, working up to our, uh, our, our budget. Uh, cycle. So, of course, there are some peaks and troughs. So if this is something you are thinking about, I would suggest getting it done sooner rather than later is not a bad thing. They can always be refreshed and, uh, and checked in with uh, at a later date. But certainly starting off with a conversation, um, you know, with Steve and I, where really the aim will be to see whether our our uh, maturity assessment process is going to be the right fit for you and really hone in on what are those key deliverables that you're going to need because not everybody is exactly the same um, uh, in, in terms of making sure that the right people uh, see the results of the maturity assessment. And it's, again, done in a context that uh, makes sense to them because, you know, finance people are different to IT people that are different to operations people. So there might be a different flavour of the information depending upon, you know, who, who the audience is ultimately going to be. Excellent. Thanks, gents. I really appreciate the, the chat. Obviously, it's uh, been a bit of a shameless plug about our maturity assessment, but if... Uh, yeah, if any advice for anyone would be to get someone to help you do an, a, mature, a maturity assessment um, and just assess where your gaps are. It's, it's very important that you obviously manage your, your data in, in the right way. So um, obviously, thanks for watching another episode uh, on the Data Vault Innovators community. Uh, a little bit about the platform. We really want you all to get engaged. We've actually just added uh, a whole series of hashtags to make it easy to find some of the the older content that's on the platform as well. So under the search function, you can go and have a look at the the new hashtags, and that'll that'll sort all of the feed by a range of different things by podcast or by presenter and those sorts of things. So uh, you know, check that out and check out some of the um, the previous posts that might have some some information that uh, that you haven't yet seen, um, and and get online and have a chat in the forums as well. Uh, thanks for joining today, guys. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll see Pleasure. you all next time. Thank Thanks. you.